Hello and welcome to another Inner Sanctum online group session with Karen Swain. Oops. And our very special guest teacher back in the Inner Sanctum, Kevin Briggs. Welcome, Kevin. Welcome to the Inner Sanctum. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for inviting me back. Sorry, it's, I've got a million things talking to me at the moment. Sorry, what did you say? I was just saying thank you for inviting me back. I always uh, enjoy chatting with you and your group. I mean, just uh, an amazing bunch of people. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, well, we enjoy chatting with you too. Um, I'm going to get you to share your story again. Kevin's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, the first time he shared his story with us, which blew my mind. And then the next time he said, you know, the guides have given me a, a request and can I come on the show and, and ask people uh, about a, um, a sighting in New York. And so we spoke about that and it didn't happen exactly as they said. And people were kind of like all up in arms about it. And I asked you about it and I said, what do you think went wrong there? And what did they say to you? They wanted to see if you would, if you would do something they asked unequivocally, right? Without I think that was right? it. I forget. It was a few years ago. But yeah, they asked me, there was trying to arrange a sighting uh, in New York. And uh, I contacted the United Nations in relation to that and spoke to a Nicholas Hedman and, and uh, Dr. DePippo in Washington, D.C. with the uh, United Nations office there. I've been communicating with uh, Nicholas Hedman about uh, uh, a protocol to receive our ET star families. Uh, and we were having some communication back and forward. And then I was given this specific time and date for the ETs that wanted to meet at the UN in uh, New York. And so uh, I, uh, I went up there, but we didn't have this protocol in place at the time. In fact, we can talk about that later because we now, the citizens of Earth now have a protocol in place to receive our ET staff families. So we'll see where that takes us. <laughs> Got a couple of people listening on YouTube. Thirsty says, woohoo, he's clapping. And and Vladdy's Vladdy's uh, listening. Hi, Karen and Kevin. I'm watching. Oh, say hi to Vlad. I like I, I remember first Vladdy. meeting Vlad and we had a good good conversation. Uh, I think he's in Russia, isn't he? Oh, he's Russian, but yeah, fantastic. Uh, Germany. Well, he's usually in Germany. Germany. I, don't, I don't know if he's moved to Russia lately, but he's usually in Germany. Um, okay. But let me, yeah. let me just read your bio quickly for people that don't know about you. So Kevin J. Briggs, you know, when you Google your name, there's another Kevin Briggs who's a politician or something that comes up. Um, so when you put in Kevin J. Briggs, then you come up as an author and specializes in consciousness and the connection to ET UFOs. He's recently published a book. Well, it's been a couple of years now called Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey with over 56 years of his experiences of ET contact and UFO connections and has had physical contact with his ET guy since he was eight, eight or nine? Eight. Eight, yeah, years old, uh, from the Arcturus planetary system in the Andromeda gal galaxy. That's where they said they were from, right, Kevin? Well, you've got a good memory, Kevin. That's a fantastic memory. No, I'm reading it. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <That's your bio>. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually remember that, though, because I, I do speak to the Arcturian um, mob. But so the Arcturian planetary system, I didn't know this, was in the, is in the Andromeda galaxy, as well as ETs from other star systems. And you've um, connected to a council of eight beings who are overseeing the shift on planet Earth, along with many other um, forms of consciousness, 
there's there's a mob there's a whole mob overseeing the plant you know the shift in uh, human consciousness but you specifically have eight a council of eight which we'll talk about we'll go over um again and um actually Anne was saying that she was reading a book uh she's reading the book now that you did with um Kennedy what's the book that you did with Kennedy Anne do you want to tap into tap into oh you can oh. tap into universal energy oh, oh, oh tap into universal energy that one with yes. um, Melissa Kennedy and Edgar Yo. right yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. That was, yes. That's a, uh, a a co-authored book with Melissa and Edgar. Yes. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So you you've been busy since you contacted me oh, probably about five or six years ago. Now I don't know. Time flies. Feels like yesterday, but it was a few years. Yeah, it does ago seem now. like yesterday. You said I'd get very busy, and you were correct. I think you almost <laughs> be psychic. <laughs> well you know it was kind of obvious I've been showcasing new world teachers for like over 25 years and listening to people's stories and um, yours is one of the most uh, amazing extraordinary story I love your you know when I say your story your experiences your life and I love you and I love everything you stand for and I love that you're so extraordinary and yet so ordinary. Does that make sense? It's like you just love... It does, yes. I, I do thank you for that. That's a huge compliment, and <laughs> I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's like you just love being human, and you love doing everything that humans do, and you don't particularly want to sort of deviate from that. You know, you love the dogs and going out with friends and having a big steak and a barbecue and just doing stuff that humans do. And the most extraordinary thing you've ever said that that I remember, I mean, you've said a lot of extraordinary things, but listening to people talk about their experiences and how they feel about their experiences and how they integrate their experiences into their life. And many people who've had NDEs or out-of-body experiences are always hankering to get out of their body and be in that vibration of love and you know get away from the density of planet earth and you've done that many times and one of the things that you said that I found so extraordinary is the part where you're hanging out with your loved ones in the spirit world who have finished their uh, earthly incarnations and you're sort of marinating in this love bliss energy and they're like why don't you stay and hang out with us and you're like no I want to go back to my earth life I really love being physical <laughs> Like so many people are like, I, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I remember all the experiences, and I have a terrible memory. I have to write most things down, but all the experiences that I've had, I remember them explicitly and can recall them. And uh, yeah, you're correct, uh, Karen. It, it's part of me. It's who I am. Uh, it's my. We all have our own life stories, and I'm sure they're just as fascinating the ups and downs and the, the people that we know. Uh, but, yeah, it's just uh, it's a privilege to be here, to, especially at this moment in time where we're going through a huge change uh, through consciousness. So, uh, yes, a fascinating time to be here. And I, you are correct. I do appreciate being alive and being a human. Yes, I do, yeah. You absolutely do. And you're so, you know, you have such a high vibe. You live here in this in this polarized environment where density is is you know quite extreme and we're going through a lot of density or trauma or upset or um what's the word I'm looking for you know like chaos and uh and it doesn't none of it phase seems to phase you you sort of maintain a happy 
grateful appreciative disposition and just that that happiness that that appreciation for being alive it's something that we all need to remember Kevin it's I think that you know apart from your extraordinary experiences I think that that's the energy that you bring to this world and it's such a blessing to have you here on earth really well thank you and again I, I feel it I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to to have all those but I wouldn't have had them probably without being uh, taught from the age of eight all the way through my life and I still uh, get lessons today and so uh, I, I'm really a uh, uh, I've been I'm educated in consciousness to the level of our ET star families so I'm, I'm in a position where I can communicate with them at will all the different modalities that they use and use consciousness for communication uh, for creation for education, uh, for co-creation and uh, creation itself. So once you realize the uh, consciousness itself is shared by everyone, by all life in the universe, as it were, and the different galactic species, the plants, the animals, the trees. I know we had a brief discussion at the beginning about uh, crystals being conscious. Well, I was given a, an experience, a lesson, in how and why rocks are conscious. We don't seem to think that rocks are conscious, but from the perspective of our ET uh, star families uh, and their understanding of consciousness, which is, uh, which is like frequencies at a quantum level. So uh, and even though a rock is solid, it has atoms. And within the space, within that quantum space between the atoms are like frequencies. And those frequencies make that rock conscious. But that rock is conscious through consciousness itself. And when we understand that, I understand what the lady said about the crystals, uh, then that really expands our knowledge and makes us appreciate the animals, the plants, the insects, the trees. It's all part of our consciousness. It's a shared life's journey uh, with a physical at this particular moment in time. So. Uh, that's the importance of it, I think. Well, Kevin, I'd love you to go over your story again about how at the age of eight you met your guides and then what happened. And I'll throw in a few questions when you're um, when you're speaking because I've got more questions from the first time you, you shared that with us. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just do a, a, a brief overview of it and then, uh, uh, and then I'm mindful of the time. So... Yeah, when I was uh, eight years old, I was taking a bath at home and uh, I was always susceptible to the frequencies around us as a child. And uh, there was a change in the frequency within the bathroom. And I looked to my right and two beings appeared, uh, frightened me to death at the time, both very attractive, uh, human in appearance, both with long blonde hair, uh, deep blue eyes and wearing a type, uh, jumpsuit type garment that was deep blue as well. And they were speaking to one another telepathically. And uh, the names are Orton D. I think Kevin's already mentioned them. They are Arcturians, and they inform me I'm part of their extended family. Only my physical is in the third dimension, where they currently reside in the fifth dimension. And the only difference between the dimensions are the frequencies that, that life exists at within that dimension. So that was my first encounter. And they were talking about me, not to me. Uh, I remember D questioning Art. D is the female, Art is the male. And uh, she said, is this the boy? And Art said, yes, this is the boy. 
And then she said, are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. And then uh, she asked him again, she said, are you sure? Because look at him, he's small, he's uneducated, and he's frightened by, by our presence. And she was correct, I was terrified. He said, yes, it's the boy, I will guide him, I will teach him. There was some other conversation, and then they left. And as I said, I was terrified. I didn't get out of the bath. The water went cold, I was shivering. My mother came in to see why I was still in the bath. I told her about the two beings, and she said it was just my imagination. And uh, clearly it wasn't. I'm still in contact with Lord D to this day. And at 14, I was introduced to another six beings, uh, different types of beings, and I'm in contact with all eight. And I refer to them as the Council of Eight. So uh, that's the beginning of the journey. And when I was nine, uh, I had some friends around it Sunday. We've been playing in the afternoon. Time for them to go home. And uh, I showed them out the back door. When I turned around, I felt that frequency within the uh, house, within the home. And uh, I went looking for this frequency. I went into the living room, went upstairs, checked the bathroom, bedroom, uh, went back down to the living room where the frequency seemed strongest. And I was drawn towards the window. And I looked behind the curtain, the drapes, and there was an orb there, an orange orb. It was vibrating. It was yellow, golden in color, and that's about four to six inches across and vibrating. Uh, there was no communication at that time that I was aware of, and I'd hoped that it would disappear later on in the day. I felt that I'd attracted it and brought it into the home, and if my mother saw it, I would get into trouble. So anyway, I went to bed that night, woke up in the morning, and realized it was still there. I didn't have to go down. I could just feel the frequency. Uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, it was there until Friday. I came home from school Friday, opened the back door, and knew instantly that it had gone. I went up to the window, looked behind the curtain, and it left. At the time, I didn't know what that was. I do now. That was art. That was the male's conscious energy separated from his physical. And uh, it's one of the modalities they're able to use, separate the conscious energy from the physical body. And at nine years old, I was able to do that. And I, uh, I suspect they activated something within my DNA uh, that allowed me to do that. But I wouldn't go very far. I would only travel about 70 miles. I would relax, open my mind, and go and visit my grandparents, usually on a Sunday. And uh, I would enter through the roof as pure conscious energy. And uh, I'd go into their master bedroom upstairs, and they had a dressing room. And I would sit in that dressing room looking down through the floor, which was opaque. My mother or grandmother would usually be in the kitchen cooking on a Sunday, and my grandfather either reading the newspaper or watching TV. And it gave me great comfort to go and visit them like that. And I remember when I did that as a child, I thought, what would they see if they came upstairs? I didn't know the answer to that. They would have seen, I do now, they would have seen a conscious energy orb, which would have been four to six inches across, yellow, orange in colour, slightly vibrating. That was my pure conscious energy. So I believe that I was taught that particular or given that particular ability because our ET star families all have these abilities and they use them. They use them for travel, communication, healing, uh, anything to do with consciousness itself. So that would be nine. Uh, and then my next encounter, I, but bear in mind, these are normal to me. I think everybody does this. It, you know, it's just what people do, it's what kids do. And then at 14, I used to have a paper round. And on the paper round, every time I left the home, a UFO would appear above the house. Uh, and then as I'm on my way to collect my papers, a uh, second UFO would appear. And then they would follow me around the paper round 
and then when I finished, one would usually go straight up into space and the other one would change direction uh, and go back the way it came. Uh, and at that time, I was always aware of a frequency behind the hedge, behind the wall, while I was doing my paper round. And on one occasion, I plucked up courage and asked, I know you're there, can you show yourself? And two small greys stepped out from behind the wall, behind the hedge. <laughs> and I wasn't frightened. I asked them what they wanted. And they said there was a group of people that wanted to meet with me. Uh, so I said, well, I've got my paper on to finish. I've uh, got to go to school. I don't want to be late for school. And they said, well, you can finish your paper round and we'll have you back in time for school. So I agreed to go with them. I went with them and I was taken to a large mothership. I only assumed that because of the size of it, the size of the hangar, the amount of craft we were in there. And we were led down to a amphitheater. And in the amphitheater, <clears throat> it was full of all different beings. Um, and at the front was a, a table, a small stage, uh, and sat around that table were eight beings. The first two beings were Orton D, the ones that had materialized in my bathroom when I was eight. And then Anna, she was a small bird type being. Uh, and then Zarp, he's a mathematician, an engineer, I know quite a lot about him. I've got to know him over the years. He has the offsprings, he's a mathematician and engineer, and he has a sense of humor. When I speak to him, I can feel the, the I, I once cracked a joke with him, and he, he smiled, and as he smiled, I felt his energy. And he also moves my wife's personal items around our house, much to her disdain. But I asked him why he did that, and he said because he liked teasing her. He thought it was funny, but there's a, a serious side to it, to let her know we are here, we are amongst you. So, uh, And he still does that to this day. He moves things from time to time when my wife puts them down. And uh, so that's, who was after that then? Oh, yeah, the large one in the middle was um, Ra. His energy was tremendous. He's uh, Anunnaki, very old, and he's the leader of this, this council, I call him the Council of Eight now. And then the next was Tag. He was a tall grey, and he told me that he was responsible for the security, not only of this Council of Eight, but for the security of this quadrant of the galaxy. Uh, so I'd never thought of anything like that. <laughs> Being a 14-year-old child, I thought I was just there as a human specimen to be paraded. I, I know that not too now. Uh, and then next will be Chica. I was a little perturbed when I saw Chica because he was an over six-foot mantis being, just like a large grasshopper. And I was a little perturbed when I saw him. And last was Orla. She was a tall white. I think she told me she was an astrobiologist and uh, a very pale in complexion and her hair translucent. So that was the group, the group of eight that I met when I was 14. And I'm in contact with uh, all of them still to this day. Uh, mainly Orton D did the education in relation to consciousness uh, and the others I've been, as I have been introduced to them all since then again. Uh, so I've got to know some of them very well, uh, but the main uh, contact has been with Orton D, really. And uh, uh, Ra, the Anunnaki, he comes in occasionally, and when he comes in, his energy is uh, particularly strong. In fact, I did a channel with him a few years ago. I think it's on YouTube at the Free Foundation. And uh, it was, uh, he, Ra came through, he channeled through me. And when there's, when I channel the, <clears throat> Because of the differences in frequency and energy, I get extremely hot. And uh, I know we measured that temperature on, on one occasion when I was channeling, and it raised as much the air temperature immediately around me 
uh, can rise as much as up to nine, 10 degrees. But that's the energy that's coming into this physical, which is in the uh, third dimension, and uh, Ra is a ninth dimensional. So really high frequencies there. But but if you if you get a chance to watch that video, uh, I think it's 29th of September, 2019. Kevin Briggs, if you put that in YouTube, it'll come up. And it's about 20 minutes. So uh, it, it's worth a watch. Yeah, I've watched that one of you channeling Ra. And uh, it, yeah, it, you can see... You can see what it's doing to your physical body to to entertain that energy in your physical structure. It's um, yeah, it does. It doesn't look hard, but it looks like there is yeah, it, it's sort of it's not matching your physical structure. And and this is something I want to talk about. So we can listen to people like you who have this physical contact with our Star Nation friends and family throughout the cosmos but for the majority of humans on earth they're not going to have that experience and so there's a lot of skepticism about whether it is real and why don't they show themselves more physically to more people I mean I have to say there are millions of people who do see them physically um, but then there's what about eight billion people on the planet have you ever discussed that with the council like why they're not more seen uh, to humanity and yeah I'll just let you answer that I haven't asked that specific question uh, I did when they asked me to speak out five years ago I uh, opened the uh, got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom went to the bathroom came back got into bed I was just about to snuggle down and there's a bright light outside the window the uh, uh, light came in the bedroom lit up like a myriad of butterflies just white sparkling light and then Orton D materialized at the bottom of the bed and after pleasantries, they asked, what's the reason for the visit? And they said, Kevin, we want you to speak about your lifelong interactions with us. We want you to write about your lifelong interactions with us. And I said, well, I don't mind speaking about it, but I'm not a writer. And they said, well, we will continue to guide you. We will continue to teach you. And you will be, you will write two books. I've written the first one, Spiritual Consciousness, a Personal Journey, which has been published. I've finished the second one now. I haven't had it published yet. I've got to do just some more editing on it and, and then I'll get that one published. So, uh, but I did ask them, I said, well, people, people won't believe me. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a fantastic story. And uh, the only people that did know my story was my wife and my brother. And uh, they said, well, it doesn't matter, Kevin, whether people believe you or not. What's important is that you tell your story. And I'm now seeing that unfolding because I've been speaking out now for five years. And through speaking out, I'm meeting other people just like me. They've got their own stories, their experiences as well. Some from uh, uh, early childhood like myself. So I've even met one guy who remembers uh, uh, being in the womb. And that's when his journey started. So we've been given these memories and uh, the various terms for us. I like the term experiencer because I am or who I am because of the experiences that I've been given by the higher conscious beings, ETs. So uh, I, I haven't asked them the whole question, but I do know that they are here to help with the evolution of humanity. And uh, to do that, we need to learn about consciousness. Mm. So perhaps one of my roles is maybe education. I don't see myself as a, a teacher. I just tell my story. By telling my story, if that is teaching, then then I will accept that. But I, I do have a specific mission, So and I'm working towards that. Yeah, well, you've answered a question that I had next, which would be, what do they want 
humanity to know, and I think you've answered that, is to raise their consciousness. And I think that when we do collectively, because there are people like you who have a very high consciousness, what does that mean? Um, to have a high consciousness, it means that you don't have any uh, negative or many negative thoughts. It's like you feel uh, loving and connected to people. You don't have any resentment or anger or fear or it's like you feel loving and connected to most people and 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 most things. It's like animals, you feel connected to animals and the earth. Like you said, rocks, we were talking about how rocks have consciousness before we came on the live and you can speak to trees and you can speak to rocks. It's like feeling that connection to everyone and everything and not wanting, you know, not needing or wanting anything from anyone because you have that connection to your own source and your guides. And so do you want to explain to people what that consciousness is that the ET guides want to share with us? Yes, I, I think it's uh, exactly what you said. They want to share the consciousness of because the plants, the trees, the animals, the insects are part of us. They're part of our consciousness. We are creating them through thought and consciousness, a collective consciousness. As a human species, we've created all these. So once you realize that and you have a connection, and then uh, I can tell a quick story about a large grasshopper. I, was, I have a beautiful sycamore tree, and I sit there in a little a rocking chair, and I sit there with my dogs. I've only one dog now, but I'll sit there, and I just absorb the energy and the beauty of nature. And on this occasion, I had uh, this large grasshopper. We have some very big ones here in Florida. And it, it, it saw me and it came flying or jumping towards me. And I knew immediately it was going to land on me. And I'm just sat there and I'm watching it. And it landed about six, in, six feet in front of me. Then it jumped to the left. And I still knew it was going to land on me. It jumped back to the centre again and then jumped right on me. And it, it's a big, it was a big one, about this big. And uh, I uh, it was walking up my shirt and I had an open neck shirt on. And I said to it, I don't mind you, you know, coming and meeting me and walking on my shirt, but don't go in my collar because I don't want that. So I said, if you want to communicate, walk up onto my shoulder and you can sit there as long as you want. And that's what he did. He changed direction. He sat and he, he, he uh, uh, sat on my shoulder and then he jumped off. But that's a simple example of uh, understanding that we that shared consciousness is not just about plants, trees, animals, insects. It's about the whole cosmos. It's about the higher conscious beings. And when we realize that, then we can regain our position uh, in that cosmic galactic uh, family, yeah. really. Because if we can, if I can be taught, the normal human being can be taught all this, and it's not difficult. Uh, they, they didn't sit me down in a classroom and teach me. They gave me the experiences. And from those experiences, I learned. Uh, and I suppose that's what we do with our own children. We give them experiences and then they learn through it and then they're guided. Uh, and that's how I see it. So if I can reach this level of understanding of consciousness, then we all can. And the, uh, as they did say to me, that we are evolving. They're here to assist with the evolution. Although they won't do it for us ourselves, we have to do it. And that's, uh, that's really where we're headed. And I think we have to do it because if we don't, the other uh, option is annihilation. And I've been told by my ET staff families that we have reached this level of uh, technologies in the past and destroyed our societies. And they don't want that to happen uh, again. 
Yeah. Kevin, what do you think we can do individually to be a part of this evolution in consciousness? Uh, oh, it's a very good question. I would say, um, I think the key is education, mm. um, listening to people who do have the knowledge, and there are many. Uh, the only problem is it, it's uh, we have to go and search for it. It's not going to come and come to you unless you are interested in the subject. And because of the internet now, it allows us to go and search. A friend of mine recommended a book the other week called Under an Ionized Sky. Now, it wasn't a book I would have particularly uh, bought by Elena Freeland, but it explains some of the technologies that we have at the moment. Uh, but by reading the book, uh, I'm educating myself. I've got a choice whether to read it or not. And there are many books out uh, at the moment that, uh, where you can buy them, read them. Uh, in fact, Mary, I don't know, Kathleen Madden recently published a book, I've got it here in front of me, Forbidden Knowledge. And this, this is like, uh, it's an example of um, uh, information. Uh, part, part of the book, uh, there's some channeled information that uh, uh, I channeled with Kathy and some others, and uh, she published it in her book. And, um, but that information, if you buy the book, you read it, you understand what the uh, my guides are telling us through channels that we did uh, once a month at my home for two years. Uh, so it, it's again, it's you you'd have to go and find the information, but the information is out there. So we have to become. Uh, I know uh, another friend of mine, Rebecca. She said we have to become uh, citizen scientists as well. We have to teach ourselves about the sciences. I've been talking about consciousness and uh, given downloads in relation to the quantum unified field theory, the theory of everything. And uh, and I've met another experiencer now, Karen, uh, who's part of the Exo Conscious community with Rebecca Hardcastle-Wright. And she's been given exactly the same downloads. So it's, uh, they are sharing the information with others now. And as we get together, we get that support from one another. So for me speaking out, which is the important part, which I didn't understand at the beginning, then that opens up and then the ET staff families, the higher conscious beings, uh, share the information with others. And then she, uh, Karen, only saw me speaking about it on a podcast somewhere. And she said, I've been given the exact same download. So she got in touch with me. And then we found out we had a mutual friend and, uh, and now we've become friends and we share information. And, and that's what it's about. It's that sharing of information, having an understanding that we are one, we are individual ones within the physical, but we are sharing that consciousness, and that consciousness is connected throughout the universe, right up to source energy. Yeah, I absolutely agree. The understanding that we are one is one thing, because you could read as many books as you can get your hands on and watch as many podcast shows or listen to as many podcast shows, and get the information, but it's actually applying that information to our physical lives that's going to make all the difference. Because there are so many people out there that can sprout all this information about consciousness, and yet they don't apply it to their life. So unless we live in a way of understanding that we are one, and when I have uh, um, hatred or fear or resentment towards another, then I'm actually only projecting that energy towards myself 
because we are one, right? I, I think that that's really important. When we're um, upset with somebody, we're really only upset with ourselves because we are one. We only see ourselves in others. It's like what we what we look at in another and we have a emotional you know thing with we're actually it's it's all about us this this idea of oneness i don't think humans understand it like the et the ets do um, I, I think that that's a very valid point Karen. yes it's uh it's um um what you put out there and reflects back to who you are and exactly. i think that's another key and you know we, we have to look inward into who we are and uh, I, I realized probably as a young child I didn't realize I was meditating but I was always looking inward and I would always ask because I knew within the society that I lived at the time as a young boy that information wasn't available to me so I had to find where that information and I was fortunate to have the guys that I had and was able to find that information. So, um, and perhaps it's not for everybody's journey. You know, we're all at different stages. And uh, if we don't reach that uh, level that we need to, then we come back again and have another go at it. And, uh, <laughs> and I've, got, I, I've got memories of previous lifetimes and uh, uh, that's, but that's part of being human. That's part of being consciousness is having those experiences Unfortunately, sometimes we, we don't remember the past lives. I don't remember them all fully. I just remember little parts of them. But very often our children, they, well, most of our children, they remember their past lives until they're about six or seven. Uh, but we don't talk about it to them. And then they lose and that information. And then they get brainwashed by our society, by our physical, and, uh, and they lose it. But if we can keep hold of that and develop that uh, as children, and now I'm seeing that within certain parts of our society where they're teaching these things now. So that will change society. And a lot of our new young children are coming in with abilities uh, like mine. They already have them. And uh, so we are evolving as a species naturally, but we are being helped and assisted. I know. Woohoo, the kids coming in. So, Kevin, uh, your internet's a bit funky. Um, it's a bit, have you got a lot of things open on your browser? Maybe you could shut a few things. Has everyone. I can have a lot. Let me just is, check. Is everyone seeing him sort of glitchy like me, or is it my internet? Like, put your hand up if you're seeing him glitching a bit. Uh, Shirley says yes. Diane says yes. Yeah. So I think it must be your internet, Kevin. It's a little it bit. It may well be. I am out in the country and it, sometimes it's oh, a, okay. a little erratic. Sometimes. It's a little, uh, well, we're, it's, it's, it's doing the trick. I mean, we're, we've got you on there. So you're in the country, I see. Okay. Um, oh, yes. That's, it's probably, it usually comes up on my screen here, though. It'll say internet uh, signal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't know if it was your internet or mine. So Wendy said she had to run, but nice to see you. Thanks so much for the insights, Kevin and Karen. And uh, and she liked being there. See you soon. Um, okay, so getting back to consciousness. Consciousness, consciousness, because this is what it's all about. So consciousness, I'm going to ask you this question because I was on um, a Moonwalker Tucker's new podcast show recently. I've been spruiking it because she's just started it. Uh, get some uh, listeners in there. I'll get you on her new, new podcast show. And she's so great at interviewing people. She's just started and she's as good as me. who has been doing it for, you know, 25 years. Um, what do you think consciousness is? It was a question she asked me. I'd love to hear what you have to say. What is consciousness? 
Okay, well, from my perspective, from what I've been taught, consciousness is light frequencies. Uh, and when you consider that uh, without the light, without the frequencies, we wouldn't exist anyway. So to me, and I've been told that, you know, the conscious energy exists in all matter at the subatomic quantum level as light frequencies. So the simple answer to it is light frequencies. Light frequencies. Yeah, that wasn't my answer. It was interesting because when she asked me that question, I went straight to my guides and I said, what is it? And they were talking about it. What is it as a human? What does it mean to a human? And they said consciousness to a human is the awareness, awareness of who we are, like the awareness that we are subatomic, subatomic, you know, we are particle energy, light frequencies, as you say, as well as flesh, as what we perceive as flesh, you know, physical human beings. We are I spirit the, as well as the awareness yeah, comes the from awareness. the physical. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, go into that a bit more. The awareness comes from our physical. How does that work? Okay, because we are the creators of our own reality through thought and consciousness. So we're creating that reality. We're creating that physical reality. And it's a collected physical reality. And some people's realities are horrendous. Uh, they have horrendous lives. And, uh, but they're probably not aware that they are creating that. Uh, a collective part of consciousness is creating it. So that's where the education comes in in relation to understanding consciousness, awareness, and how powerful our thoughts are in relation to where we go, what we do, how we treat other people. Uh, just the basic things, really. But without that understanding, then we have the, the wars, uh, the famine, uh, all the diseases that we have. Uh, yeah. But that's going, that's going to change again through a learning and understanding of frequencies sound frequencies and light frequencies will be the new medicines of the future. Excellent. I have an understanding of that because I've been uh, showing other things about that. So uh, that's where we're headed. So it's, I mean, it sounds, we're, we're heading towards the golden years for humanity, but we have to change. We have to tear down the old systems. And if you look around, they're crumbling all around us. Mm -hmm. And then we have to rebuild a society, a new society that we desire for our children for our future generations. And that new society will be created, co-created with both us as humans and our ET star families. So, and that new society will include them. And that's where we're heading once we have the global reveal of our ET star families. And I think part of that education is to realize that we are not alone. And then that collective consciousness learns itself. Yeah, yeah. Have you got any stories, Kevin, of you using your consciousness to heal your physical body? Or maybe even your ET guides came along, maybe when you're even when you're a kid and you fell over and scraped your knee or broke an arm or something happened. Did you go to an allopathic doctor or did you the guides? I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm, I'm 69 now. I'm still healthy. I'm a little overweight, but I eat too much and I probably drink too much beer. But uh, uh, yeah, I do ask for healing very often. I am able to heal myself of most things, again, through thought and consciousness, uh, because I have an understanding of how that works. 
But if I'm unable to heal, a couple of years ago, I had a couple of melanomas on my left elbow and uh, another one on my right wrist. And um, they were just these large moles that we all get from time to time. I've had them for many years and didn't cause many problems. And then they started bleeding, cracking and growing. So uh, I, I thought I'd better go and have them removed. And then that one evening, I said to my guys, look, I've got these uh, melanomas on my, two on my left elbow and one on my wrist, on my right wrist. Can you remove them for me? If not, I will have to make an appointment with my regular doctor and have them removed. Uh, I went to bed. I woke up in the morning. The two on my left uh, elbow completely disappeared. No marks, no scars, nothing. The one on my right wrist had uh, a red line around the periphery where the growth had been, and that disappeared by uh, 12 o'clock, by lunchtime. So that's one example. Uh, and there's a whole chapter on um, the, our ET star families healing in the book Beyond UFOs by Ray Hernandez. So yeah. if you're interested in healing and the different examples, that's a great book to read, even just for that one chapter. Absolutely. And then on occasion, uh, uh, recently, I uh, had my, uh, my, I lost a dog recently. He was 11 years old and he just collapsed one day and then we had to have him put down. And, uh, but then my, my other dog, she'd had cancer. She'd had a tumour removed and she went for a six month checkup and she's got another growth there. So uh, uh, the doctor vet took some x-rays and then uh, suggested we get an ultrasound, which we made an appointment about three or four weeks later. And so I asked my ET guys, I know they've healed animals in the past. I said, look, I've just lost one dog. I don't want to lose Cassie. Uh, uh, can you heal her? Uh, can you remove the tumour? We're going back to the vets in one month's time. Can you at least keep the tumour small or shrink it? Or, uh, but don't let it grow any further. And uh, unbeknownst to me, my wife had asked as well. And then uh, we, we took her to the vets for the ultrasound. We got, uh, she'd got all the x-rays and everything. We well, if you go for lunch and come back, it's a, about a two hour procedure and we'll have the results. So we went for lunch, we came back and uh, the vet was amazed. The tumor disappeared completely, absolutely completely. She wow. said she can't, she, she hadn't seen that before and doesn't know how or why it's not there. Uh, and then it was there after that that my wife told me that she'd asked the ETs as well. But then we realised um, after my other dog died, uh, they used to both sleep in the corridor outside the master bedroom. Uh, we took um, Cassie, the female, into our bedroom and put her bed down there on the floor. So she slept next to us. And on one occasion, uh, we got up within that period of time between the vet visits and she wasn't there. She wasn't in the room. Uh, in the bedroom and Sandy went into the living room. She was sat on her other bed in the living room. So somehow either somebody had picked her up, taken her away and put her back into the living room or she'd opened the door of the bedroom and closed it behind her, herself. <laughs> but I suspect, I suspect my ET uh, star family that took her away, healed her uh, and put her back. And, and it's changed that she's a, uh, she's a happy dog. She's got a spring in her step again and uh, uh, hopefully she'll be healthy and happy for at least another year now. So they do heal. Uh, we can ask for healing ourselves. In fact, just recently, I was invited to listen to a, a Zoom with uh, Dr. Sandra Rose Michael, and she has new technology called the EE system. And uh, this technology has come from her guys. 
they gave her a download of this technology. And this technology uses scalar light frequencies. Yeah. And again, uh, uh, what happens with, if the reasons why we have disease is because the frequency of themselves are out of line. And this new technology uh, um, realigns the frequencies of the cells and removes the disease that the frequency is causing. Uh, so that's new technology from our ET star families. And I believe there are 200 centers now opening up. And for some coincidence, a friend of mine who has his own contact with his ETs is opening up a, a new center here in Orlando. So I'm looking forward to going down, down there and seeing that. But uh, if you check out Dr. Sandra Rose Michael and her uh, system, it's a fascinating system, and it's fascinating that it's come from our ET staff families. So they are here to help us heal as well. And it's not just healing us as a species, it's healing the planet as well, because the planet's frequencies are out of alignment at the moment, and when they're trying to get them back into alignment. So really, it's, uh, it's not just health for the species, the plants, the animals, it's a whole gambit of uh, life itself. If we understand that they are frequencies, and when they come out of balance, we get diseases. If we put them back in balance, then the disease disappears. Yeah, absolutely. And Pat says here, EES systems are great. I've had the opportunity to try them uh, and they're great. That's, and yeah. they've, um, where's Pat? Where are you? They've, they, they've helped you, Pat? Uh, yes, let me. Yeah, I've unmuted you. <laughs> I have the power. Let me get back to my, my uh my screen here. Sorry about that. The video is off. Yep. Yes. Yes. Up here in Bellingham, they have quite a few systems around here. It's great. And um, they just relax you. And I had the I had a, 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 a lucid dream. My very first visit. It was just amazing. You oh, just. Really? Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. It was just really special. And people have had, had lots of healings from them as well. Yeah. Yeah, but I they, think that this new physical, you know, the healing technology has been hitting the planet for a while. Um, people are skeptical about it because we're so entrenched or hypnotized or conditioned into the allopathic way, which involves, you know, taking some sort of substance instead of feeling like energy itself, like shifting frequencies can shift our physical ailments. You know, um, yeah, we're just, we're just, collectively when I say collectively like on mass we're not there yet but there's a lot of people obviously in this community that are um thanks Pat Shirley do you want to come on camera yep pop you on there you go there I think I'm back um Thank you. This is really fascinating. Um, unfortunately, the grandson, he's gone off to have a snack um, and missed all of this last little bit. He would have loved it. Um, yeah, we had a cat named Frienders who showed up in the strangest way. And he um, he got really, really ill and was uh, he would just lie on the counter and watch the water drip. And so I phoned my friend, I said, he's going, you know, and, and she said, oh, okay, we'll take him, you know, to the vet and I'll take him, you know, take him to the vet. And let me know what happens. So anyway, I took her to the vet and there was long story short, there were people praying for this dying cat and, and including Masaru Emoto's translator. 
who went on tour with him. She was sending him water healing blessings to the water crystals within him. I had a friend doing Reiki session for him. And then I was on the phone like with him, uh, with uh, my friend praying. She she prayed, you know, really fervently for him. And the vet had had recommended, you know, because he was so ill that we euthanize him. But I said, let me just take him home and, and you know, like have one more night. And and so we we did that at the, in the bathroom, you know, with all this prayer and everything happening and people sending messages, you know, you know, I'm sending love, I'm activating his water crystals. And then I was on the phone with my friend and the, the prayer ended and I said, okay, he's gone. He's, he's gone now. And so we both went, oh my goodness. Well, he was a lovely cat. And all of a sudden he lifted his head up like hallelujah, you know, and he jumped off the counter. He went and had a poop. He hadn't had a poop for like two days. And it was just unbelievable. I didn't know if I got the feeling, I know this might sound strange, but I'm in this group um, that a previous cat named Dr. Tesla who died, you know, like got hit by a car. I think it was him who jumped in to give this guy more time to be on the earth and to have another cat experience. Cause I don't think Dr. Tesla was ready to go. And this cat now had attitude. Um, But it was, he lived for about another year, really loving life and then when he died he led us to the cat Huey who I have now who's my I call him my Reiki cat yeah it was really quite quite cool so cats and and I do this with with animals too recently and just on the love portal recently I started to see colors in in the auras especially with my grumpy cat and um and I, I I'm talking to a squirrel. <laughs> I've made friends with a squirrel much to the dismay of my husband because he's digging up all of his planters. <laughs> but, you know, they say, if you go like this, a squirrel will come. It, it will. And then, so I thought, okay, well, he just wants to hang out. So I said, let's just do the animals, let animals lead. It's a form of Reiki, Kevin, that it sounds like you're doing. I can't remember the practitioner, but her course is called let animals lead. And it's, it's, the squirrel just laid down and put his arm on the thing. And, and I saw light frequencies all around him and he just chilled for about 10, 15 minutes and then took off. So the animal stories are fascinating right now the frequencies coming in anyway i just wish you- wanted to share it with you thanks shirley <laughs> that's great i love the cat stories with your dogs i loved hearing about your dogs kevin because i i've been watching you post your dogs on facebook and i i knew one of them died i knew one of them was sick i didn't know the end of that story that that, that the tumor was gone so thank you for sharing that because well, i had well, she's happy now and she's uh, coming with us on a, a, a vacation and they tend to the, if the animals are healed by our ET staff on us uh, I think the average is a, a year uh, of extended life I think uh, I know when Ray Hernandez dog his dog was dying and if you know his story his dog disappeared through a portal in his living room with his wife and came back about 20-30 minutes later and the dog was fully healed and it lived for another year so there are examples uh, many examples now so really that's part of the education understanding mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you know we are connected to the plants and the animals and i keep saying it plants animals trees because uh, it, to me it's just it, it's it, it's just who we are really but we have to we have you can't fly a jumbo jet without being taught how to do it well, okay, you have to have well, lessons okay so well I that's think- th- that that's leading me to what I want to ask you. You can't fly a jumbo jet without being taught how to do it. But when I hear you speak, you basically just say to the guides, can you heal it, please? So you're not actually 
flying the jet yourself, you're getting them to fly it for you. Um, have they taught you about, because, you know, humans are so, we're so attached to our physical bodies as being who we are. Um, and so the, the, the conversation around healing our physical body is a big one here on earth because humans don't understand for the most part that our thoughts are connected to our physical body and our physical body is a representation of our consciousness. And so illness is, is thus, right? If you're out of balance in your consciousness or your emotions and your thinking, it's going to manifest as some sort of out of balance in your physical body. Have the ETs taught you about healing or did you just say, just heal it for me, please? That's a very good question. Very good question. <laughs> uh, I've obviously been interested in healing. And uh, obviously, uh, <clears throat> as I'm getting older, uh, I was concerned about, uh, you know, getting cancers and things. So I, I, I learned about different aging diseases, shall we say, as you age. Um, I, I always followed Dr. Emoto's uh, uh, protocol and teachings about water, how it, it is conscious, uh, it has healing properties, it has memory. Uh, so I speak to my cells, I speak to the water in my body. Uh, I'm grateful for the water within the individual cells. And I thank them. And when I'm drinking water, I, I thank the water for entering my body and being part of me. So I have the thought and consciousness each morning when I wake up that when I drink my first uh, glass of water, I'm grateful for that. A, for waking up and then B, for having water. So I think that positive attitude, and we already know through the uh, split experiment that thought can change uh, matter. So we are really putting our own cells into the correct frequency using the water, which is a natural healer. It has those vibrational frequencies, but we have to educate ourselves uh, within that to, to be able to heal. And then the, there are these new technologies that are coming out, uh, which again, people don't believe them because they're skeptical. It, it is new technology. And uh, I'm sure when we had our, some of our original medical technologies introduced people were skeptical, uh, but these are so far advanced that we have to change our whole concept of who we are and have that again. It always goes back to that understanding of consciousness. Without that understanding of consciousness, how would you speak to water? How would you speak to cells within your body by using thought and consciousness itself? So I, and then I have the added advantage of asking my ET guides to heal me, uh, which they have done on a, a couple of occasions. And then uh, I uh, then we can, I can always fall back on the old medical system that we have as well. It's really a fine balance to find out what suits your own needs. But at the moment, I'm, I'll say, 69. I'm perfectly healthy. Um, I can't run a marathon anymore, but uh, uh, I'm healthy. I don't take any drugs. Uh, as I say, I eat too much, but... Hey, I, my, wife's a good, my wife's a good cook and i like eating so. <laughs> 69 i think you said 59 69 yeah i love the way that you call the medical system our old medical system i feel exactly the same you know they come out and they say um highly advanced new science you know trust the science where where are these highly advanced scientists putting out all this information and you call it the old system i agree it is archaic it is archaic and until allopathic medicine introduces 
consciousness and frequency into the medicine they're they're just rolling around in the dark really just they they can stop symptoms but they're not doing any healing yeah so um the old system i love it well there can't be enough said for gratitude and appreciation i mean the thing about you like i said at the beginning of this is that you have such an amazing heightened uh, view when it comes to appreciation you're so appreciative for being here for being human you love being human and you're so grateful you know there just cannot be enough said for gratitude right gratitude and appreciation it's really gratitude and appreciation equals love it's really what we all talk about all the time love 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 thy neighbor love 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 that that is the secret to heightened consciousness it's the secret to healing it's the secret to creating the reality that you want what's well, actually no secret it's the it's the tool to be grateful for all of it like even when you're going through your stressful times i suppose the time that your dog died and the time that your dog was sick was a stressful time for you because you love them so much you still oh, made oh, without a doubt yeah without a doubt and and, you know, I grieve like everybody else grieves. And then a friend of mine, uh, April, uh, she'd written a book, which she hadn't had published then, for children, uh, when for uh, understanding grief when you lose a pet. And she sent me that book. She's now published it. And that, um, it was a, an amazing amount of information within that book for children. And it helped me with the grieving process even though I know, she, you know, uh, Kaiser will still be alive, his consciousness is still here, as it were. It's just his physical that, that's gone. But we still go through the whole gambit of emotions, even though we have an understanding. So it, it doesn't negate the emotions. We still have them. We have to deal with them and move forward with them. So, And then I, I look back at the memories, the photographs, which I'm sure we all do. Uh, but we all have that one thing in common that this physical will come to an end at some time. And yeah, then if okay. we choose to go to the higher levels of consciousness and then come back again later, we can do. So, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, that helps. I'm sure it does. And then probably that's why I am I do feel so grateful and privileged to have the information, to yeah. have the not to sit under a tree and do nothing for half an hour and watch the con let's say we're not watching the plants, trees, and animals. We're watching the consciousness that we're immersed in while we sat there in that chair under the beautiful sunshine from the light frequencies from the sun. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Does it? Doesn't get any better than that. Diane on uh, YouTube says that food can be the medicine. I've had Vedic vibration healing years ago. Yes, food can be medicine, medicine, but anything that we participate in even energy frequency healing, if we do it in an attitude of appreciation and gratefulness, it'll have a much better effect than, um, uh, than if we don't. Like if you're eating food because you think it's healthy but you hate it, <laughs> it's not going to heal you. <laughs> or if you're having some sort of treatment and you hate it but you think it's good for me because I've been told to do it, it's not going to heal you. It's the attitude in which we do everything. So it's that deep appreciation i remember hearing uh well from the, the mob that you know jesus before he did any miraculous healing he thanked the universe or god or life for the he thanked for the healing before he did the healing knowing that the healing was done even before he did the healing it's that 
thankful, like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So getting back to your dog and grief, you know, as I said at the beginning of this, you, you've had, you have the ability to leave your body at will and still do. And um, consciously, I think we all leave our body every night, but we don't remember for the most part. We're not conscious of it. Uh, but you're completely conscious of it. And you used to go and hang out with your dead relatives in another realm, in the spirit realm. Did you do that? Was it Kaiser who died or was that that's the one that died, right? No, I haven't done that, actually. I, um, I've i tried to connect with him and I haven't been able to. But before we started today, I was just, I've got some books on my cabinet here and I was just tidying their books. And I, I, I said, I've been trying to connect with him and I haven't been able to. But then we have to see the signs that are there and recognize them. And as I say, just as I, before I sat down, I got my things ready that I need and uh, I got a couple of books and I just tidied my books up here and I came across this. Let me show you. <laughs> He's leaving the spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> He's, um, somebody said I, on YouTube I, that I they love your spaceship. This. Yeah. Oh, the photograph of you and him. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So is he reaching out to me through the photograph, through consciousness? Uh, that's been there, uh, oh, I don't know, from when it was taken. I must have just put it up there with a view to hanging it up on a wall somewhere. Uh, but that turned up today and we're talking about him today. So is, is that the form of the, you know, the communication? I mean, yes, it, it is. Just... And, and, and they tell me that you will be chatting to him later after we finish this, you'll go and visit him. But yeah, because I remember you made the decision, uh, as I said at the beginning, that you, when you were, when you did leave your body and hang out in that specific place where you were hanging out with dead relatives and friends that you knew on earth, um, that you would not return there until you physically left your physical body for good. That you would be, you said, I'm enjoying my physical. I won't return until it's my time to, you know, die. And then I'll come back and be with you all. So maybe that decision that you made has stopped you hanging out with Kaiser. What do you think? Oh, I've never thought about that. That's a possibility. Um, yeah, it is probably. But I, I, I believe that finding that photograph today is communication from Kaiser. You know, Definitely. I have no evidence of that, but it just seems, and how we're talking about him now, and, and I say that photo has been up there since, it was taken. The idea was to put it on the wall somewhere in my office, but I never got around to it. And, and I'd forgotten it was there until today. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still in contact with my 80s when I want. I can contact with deceased relatives when I want, uh, but I haven't had any contact with uh, Kaiser. But we'll wait and see. You will never know it could be tonight, tomorrow. or uh, I mean, the, the animals themselves uh, give us communication uh, in relation to contact and consciousness and somebody mentioned squirrels i've got squirrels that come down i feed them and uh, i've got the birds that come down and uh, we we have a relationship uh, with the animals that again share we i share their consciousness and they're part of my consciousness so uh, i think animals are a key to learning even children you know when children have their pets when they're kids the hamsters, the mice, the guinea pigs, or whatever, that's teaching them to respect the animals and understand them. And they develop their own communication with them, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm multitasking. I'm looking at all the comments here. Uh, what does Dan say here? Thanks so much, Kevin, for the gift of doodling. Do you want to come? Where, where are you, Dan? Do you want to come on and have a chat with Kevin? Where are you? Where are you? 
You want to come on? I'm unmuting you. You've got your- uh, uh, no, uh, no, I'm just off to golf. Oh, you're off to Thank golf. Thank you so much, Kevin. Love your insights, love the spaceship, and uh, just uh, the awareness is, is the key. Yeah, the awareness is the key. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. And my, uh, my spaceship is just a backdrop. I do a lot of Zooms, and I've got two or three different backdrops. I've got a spaceship, I've got a library if I want to appear intellectual, <laughs> and I've got a window if I want to be outside, so... Uh, and I swap them about from time to time. But I do like this one. Uh, I like the spaceship too. I think the spaceship's cool. You know, what's funny is that I was complaining about the internet before and it's um it's much better now. It's It's got better, but I think um, the mob have uh, fixed it a bit for us. Has anyone on Zoom got any questions? What about you, Russell? Any questions from you, anybody? Just um, put your hand up because I can't see you all at once. Uh, but if you put your little yellow hand up, I'll see you. It'll put you to the front of the queue or pop the questions. Um, oh, Pat, you shared on one of your interviews that, Pat, do you want to come? Where are you, Pat? I've got to find you. You want to come back on? Let me pop you back on. Add spotlight. There we go. And let me unmute you. Do you want to ask that to question? Sure. Hang on a sec. Let me um, Let me see my question again. Oh, yes, you talked about... Um... You talked about one of the beings that you met on many of on one of your trips that he was interested in humans because we express emotion. So I just brought to my to mind the question came up about the other uh, beings that you've met. Do they all not have emotions or not expressed through emotion? I was okay, curious, yeah. thinking, right, wondering. Great question. That's a very good question yeah. uh, in relation because emotions are energy. Again, they're the frequencies. So um, the first time I met with, uh, or when I uh, had the connection with Zar, he's the uh, small grey from the Pleiades system, and I cracked a joke and he laughed and he smiled. And when I'm communicating with them, if it's, say, telepathically, I also get the visual image of them as well. So I could see him when he smiled and I felt the energy of the emotion and the smile or the laughter. In relation to the other beings, uh, I haven't had any direct contact in relation to their emotions. Apart from, uh, I had some contact with a um, uh, reptilian, I think it was a Draco reptilian, and his emotion was anger, was ambivalence to the human race. Uh, but that's the negative side. And how I met him, I was traveling out of body, uh, which I can do at will when I want. And I was coming back to Earth. I was between the Earth and the Moon. And I materialized on a small spacecraft, uh, a small saucer craft, really. It was piloted by two greys. It was transporting minerals from the Earth to the Moon. And I materialized in the cockpit, not dissimilar to this, really. There were two greys. Imagine two greys sat in those seats there and I materialized behind them. They both looked round at me and say to one another telepathically, what's he doing here? And I realized that uh, I shouldn't be there. Uh, so I apologized and I left. I went back into my body and I woke up. When I woke up, there was a tall gray there, an official gray. Uh, it reminded me of something like a police or military. And I was warned not to interfere. Uh, so I got that warning and then he left. And then immediately after that, this gray, this uh, reptilian appeared. 
he didn't speak to me, but I knew what he was thinking. And uh, he he was uh, say ambivalent to the human race. He didn't like us. He, he was there because he wanted to know how a mere human could travel outside of his body, materialize on a craft uh, that was going to the moon back with two greys. And uh, he wanted to know how a mere human could do that. And also understand the telepathic communication between the two pilots of the craft. So there was emotion there, but that was more of an anger, uh, I think. So that, that's really the only emotional side I felt really in relation to my contact. Now, perhaps I'll have to explore that and see, but I suspect they do have uh, similar emotions to us. I would suspect so, but I don't know for certain. Yeah, I don't know if they have the range of emotion that we have, but it's interesting that you say that the the who who was it that was upset? The reptilians. They had disdain towards humanity. What did you say? They I didn't had... say anything to him. I just knew what he was saying or what he was thinking. Was he it didn't the... like human beings. It he thought a... we were inferior, uh, but he was interested in how a mere human uh, could travel outside of his physical body and materialise on a craft and understand telepathic communication. So he was there to find out. He was on an exploration mission, I suppose. But, uh, uh, yeah, he didn't like the human race at all. Sorry, was that the grey or the reptilian that didn't like That him? was the reptilian. The reptilian. They didn't like... So they. Uh, so the question was, why don't they like human beings? Stupid question, really, because they think we're inferior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, I'm going to get to you, Russell. Uh, Vladdy says here... Um, I think this is a great question from Vladdy. Kevin, has your team said anything about intergalactic schools for humans? Well, no, that's a good question. Good question. Um, I, uh, they haven't said anything specifically to me. I know that there are others that have been to galactic schools. They've been taken on board craft. They've yeah. been sat down in a classroom and taught things. Uh, so there are galactic schools. I've had no contact with that myself, but because I speak out and listen to many podcasts and things but with other people and they're telling, sharing their stories, then yes, there are galactic schools where mm. people are taken away. But very often children uh, are taken to, to be educated, uh, but very often I think they don't speak about it because our culture still doesn't allow you to talk about these things and they're certainly not encouraged where they should be encouraged. Yeah. So yeah. there probably are galactic schools, but I've got a specific path. I'm on this specific path. I've got a specific mission. So uh, there are other people learning lots of other things. I've become part of uh, Dr. Rebecca Hardcastle-Wright's exoconscious community. And uh, people within that community all have uh, tremendous abilities using consciousness itself. That's why the exoconsciousness comes into it. Which, is a, which was termed by Rebecca, and she's now uh, expanding and sharing her knowledge with others within this uh, exoconscious community. So uh, we are we're teaching ourselves. Uh, the galactics are helping. And uh, so, yeah, I'm still you know, very positive for the future. Uh, I am told we are moving towards the golden years for humanity, and I'm seeing that now. We've we talked about the healing technology that's coming through. We just have to adapt to it. And I think was it Pat that had been to uh, uh, already uh, tried the EE system, the scalar light frequencies, 
and it helped, it assisted with her. And when I listened to Dr. Sandra Rose Michael, the uh, examples she gave of people that have been healed were absolutely tremendous, absolutely yeah. tremendous. Uh, yeah. So we just have to learn, adapt, accept, and there'll always be the naysayers, the skepticals, uh, you know, that won't believe anything, any of it. Well, that's up to them. This is their journey, their journey within this physical, within their consciousness. Yeah. And if they don't want to expand on it, then that's fine. That's up to them. It's their choice. Yeah. Russell, do you want to come on camera on the live or do you want to stay behind the? Let me unmute you, Don. You want to come? Do you want me to add you to the spotlight? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. There you go. I always ask people just in case I don't want. Oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, it's just kind of following on from what you were saying just then about when you left your body and uh, you met the reptilian. There was a guy that I was watching who is really good at um, astral projection. Um, and he could go anywhere. It just got to this point where he could go anywhere that he liked, apart from the moon. He just couldn't get there. And he said there was some sort of a force field stopping him. But one night he ended up in some kind of a non-physical prison with like um, with guards that was something to do with the military. Um, do you know about that? If there's something stopping people from getting there on a sort of non-physical basis i i'm not aware specifically myself i have heard others talk about it i have heard we i think we have far more technology than we, we know it's all been hidden but human technology that's been hidden from us i'm aware that i'm sure some of our military are working with uh extraterrestrials non-human entities but again it's kept secret but i don't have any personal examples of it myself but I have had. I'm able to to get to the to the moon. Uh, I'm aware there's a base on the uh, uh, backside of the moon, and uh, you know there's a whole colony there. So I'm not sure why your friend wasn't able to. Perhaps you know if you're astral projecting, it, it, you can if you travel say um, as astral projection, uh, then that's a, a form of consciousness. If you travel as pure conscious energy then that takes you out of the bounds of all those restrictions. And that's what I'm able to do. And like with remote viewing, you're using consciousness as a duality uh, to move to one area to view it, but you aren't physically going there or your consciousness isn't going there per se. It's using it as a tool, as a conduit to see in another location. Astral travel is traveling in the spirit realms, which is a higher level of frequency again, and then the third level would be traveling as just pure conscious energy itself. I know that uh, many years ago wow. now, I was, I was actually traveling on the astral plane. And uh, I, um, as I was traveling there, a craft came alongside me. And uh, the craft itself was conscious. It had a conscious skin. I was aware of that. I was invited on board the craft. I went through the skin. And as I traveled through it, I knew and understood it was consciousness. Inside were Ort and D, my two guides. And they were uh, as pure conscious energy. These orbs, around four to six inches, slightly vibrating. And uh, we had some conversation. And then I said, look, let me, let me see if I understand this correctly. We are three different beings. 
traveling outside of the physical body on the astral plane as pure conscious energy. I see you as two pure conscious energy um, orbs. How do you see me? And they said, Kevin, we see you exactly the same as a pure conscious energy orb. So I would suspect that the reason why your friend who was remote viewing or astral projection, uh, it didn't allow him to go through those gates, guards or whatever, or those frequencies that was protecting it. But because I can travel as just pure conscious energy, as all our ET star farmers can do, then I, I don't get those restrictions. Does, does that yeah, make sense yeah. to you, Russell? Yeah, yeah, it does. I just um, I just found it quite fascinating why, of all places, he couldn't get there. But about past lives, do you remember any of your past lives? I, I, remember, I remember two uh, past deaths, and I remember <laughs> them because they were violent. Huh? One, I was a Knight Templar. I was fighting at the Battle of Agincourt. I can't remember the year now. And uh, uh, they developed a new arrow, new technology for the time, a new arrow tip. I don't know what it was. It went straight through my armour, into my heart. I died immediately and fell off the horse. So I remembered the death. I remembered that death as a child. And I was able to explore it. I could go back to that time in the dreamscape mode modality and explore that. And the other one, I was a 14-year-old royalist in the French Revolution, uh, I think 1789, I think, I'm not certain now. And uh, um, I was taken to the Bastille and had my head chopped off. And I remember as an 11-year-old boy remembering this. So I, I, I'm at school one day and I'm thinking, now, if I'm, I had this dream where I was in this guillotine and the uh, guillotine blade was coming down and I woke up. Uh, so at school that day, I thought, well, if I hadn't have woken up then, would I have died in that dream? And if I died in that dream, would I die in the physical? Uh, so I thought, tonight, I'll go back into that dream or back into that reality. Only this time I won't wake up. I'll let the guillotine chop my head off. And I had another question. I wondered if I could see in the basket when my head fell off. Rather strange for an 11-year-old boy. But anyway, I went back into the dream or back into the time. But this time, as it unfolded, I was watching as a third party rather than being part of it. I was like watching a movie. And everything was the same. I knew what was going to happen next. We got to the guillotine bit and uh, the blade came down, chopped the head off. I was able to see in the basket for about four seconds and then it went blank. But... Uh, I didn't die. I didn't wake up. I woke up the following morning. And then the third life, I remember, I've got a brief memory of being in the Temple of Hanak in Egypt with the uh, seven sisters who were, I believe, extraterrestrials who were guiding the planet at the time. And I was like the liaison to the leaders at the time within the temple where the seven sisters were. And I remember seeing on a documentary the, uh, an avenue of pillars, and they call it the avenue of pillars. And I remember walking down the avenue of pillars to the chambers at the end where the seven sisters lived. And I was the only person that was allowed to go in there. So those are the three uh, lives or deaths, uh, that very short, really, short periods of memory, but I do have them. And they are... Um, uh, sound memories, and I did explore them 
as a child. So, Thank you. Cheers, Kevin. Wow, that was fascinating. Thanks, Russell. That great question. I've just got so much insight into what you just said to say. You've taught me so much today, Kevin. And I've got your mob here. I've got the eight. I've got them all here. And they all hold a different frequency. So what? I'm just going to reiterate what you said. So the question that Russell asked is that um, he, he, somebody couldn't view the, mu, the moon because um, he was getting blocked. And I've heard this about people that are remote viewers or astral projectors that sometimes when they go to places they shouldn't be, the beings, the highly conscious beings, either ET or otherwise, are there and they can perceive them and they shoo them away. And what you're saying is that if you go there as a pure energy consciousness, you're actually holding a different frequency. So what they're showing me is the variety and frequency beyond the physical frequency, because frequency and variety happens on all dimensions. And, you know, we understand the variety and frequency through our emotional guidance system. We know what frequency we're holding because we feel that energy as emotion or feelings, right? So when we feel low or down, then we understand the frequency we're holding. So as I perceive your mob here, all of them, as I see them energetically, hold a different frequency. Some feel lighter, some feel denser. And that's what you're saying too with projection of consciousness is a different frequency to astral traveling, which is a different frequency to pure energy consciousness. It's, it's all a different frequency. And so the beings that are perceiving or blocking you have access to a certain frequency, but not all of it. Like, so they can't perceive the pure energy consciousness, which kind of gives you access all areas, doesn't it? It's like backstage pass. You can go anywhere if you travel. That's yeah. That's true. I can go anywhere I want to go. There's yeah. no space, time or dimension. I just use thought and consciousness and conscious energy and go on travel. On one occasion, I went looking for, um, I remember speaking to, uh, oh, one day when we met on the astral plane in a conscious craft, and uh, Art said to me, said, uh, why don't you travel further, Kevin? That's all right, it's all right for you. I said, you've got a conscious craft, and you've got D with you, and you can go and travel anywhere you want. He said, well, why don't you make your own conscious craft? I said, well, how would I do that? He said, through thought and consciousness. So uh, I left, I thought about that, and I practiced and I created a conscious craft like they had, and I set off and uh, I'm going through the universe and I thought, I saw these stars flying past me at great speed, and then I realized they weren't stars, they were galaxies flying past, thousands of them at great speed, and I thought, wow, I don't know where I'm going, I could get lost. So I ceased the thought experiment and came back to my body. Then the following day I thought, well, I'll, re I'll redo that, I'll create the craft, I'll make it with a larger window, I'll make it slightly bigger, make a nice big comfortable chair. I don't know why I need a comfortable chair. And I'll have a, a thought interface navigation system. So where I think is where I go. So that day I looked at the star charts, I looked them up, and I decided to go to Andromeda uh, to go and find the uh, uh, Council of Eight. I hadn't spoken to them to a for a couple of weeks, and I thought they may have abandoned me. So I created this craft uh, using my... Uh, uh, interface uh, navigation thought navigation system and uh, I said right I want to go to Andromeda we got there I flew around this planet it was full of clouds and I thought well if I uh, go down below the clouds will the people if it's inhabited will the people think I'm a UFO 
And then uh, uh, I couldn't find them. So I went looking elsewhere for them. And I came back, came back to my body and uh, I woke up. And as I woke up, all eight of the council uh, appeared looking down at me uh, from the ceiling. And I was quite, I was annoyed. I was angry because they hadn't spoken to me. I've been looking for them. I said, I've been looking for you. You know, I've been all over. And they said, yes, we know you have. That's why we are here. Uh, but so we have these abilities that they have. If we can get out of the uh, physical realm that keeps us here and they're able to do that. And that's where we need to go uh, as a species, really. But uh, it's quite fascinating that once you reach these levels, and I, I believe that they've done that on purpose. So I have all the uh, communication modalities of communication, all their knowledge that they've been taught in relation to who they are as a species. And as Orton D told me many, many years ago, I'm part of their extended family. Uh, so uh, uh, just with, just without the education, and they've given me the education. So I say, if I can do it, we can all do it. Fascinating. fascinating. There's a couple more questions that I'm going to ask, and then we're going to ha have to go, unfortunately, because I've got another meeting after this. Um, I just want to say, Vladdy, I, 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 what did what did you call it? The um, intergalactic schools. I think I'm going to start some intergalactic schools. What did he call it? Um, uh, I think it's fun. I'm just looking at his message. Uh, story, love the animals. Um, anyway, um, so there's a couple of questions here. One person says, "How do we know when our pets ascend?" Do you want to have a stab at that, Kevin? Adrian asked that question. How do we know when our pets ascend? Interesting well, question. Very interesting because um, I think the animals that come into our life are part of our shared consciousness again. Mm. Uh, they do ascend. I was once told that um, uh, somebody asked me, uh, "Can do animals become humans in the next incarnation? Mm. And the, I asked that question of the guys and they said, if they've reached a level of understanding of self mm -hmm. as an animal, then they can uh, transcend to coming back to incarnate as a human, but they have to reach that level. But I still believe there are some higher conscious beings that come down and incarnate as on animals. purpose mm -hmm. because they want the experience of being a cat, the experience of being a dog. And they come as guides very often to us yep. to help us in our hour of needs and things and share that unconditional love, which they do. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. And another question here is, well, Meg says, how can a person travel as a pure conscious energy orb? Is there a technique we could use or a way to develop it? Great question, Meg. That's a very good question. That is an excellent <laughs> question. I... <clears throat> I'm not sure whether I know the answer. I yeah. can probably just say that um, I suspect that I was given that ability at nine years old by uh, activating the DNA. And that's why art was there for a whole week. And as a nine-year-old, right up until being about 16, 17, it was just normal to me. It was just normal, but nobody spoke about it. So I had to find out about it. So what I would suggest is ask your guides to give you the schooling in relation to learning how to do that. I don't think I learned how to do it. What I was given was examples 
even the examples of creating their, my own conscious craft, if I hadn't have taken the initiative to do it, I wouldn't have learned how to do it. So I suspect that uh, to learn how to do these things, we ask. And I've always found out that they don't give me information beyond my comprehension. They exactly. give it within uh, my understanding to expand my comprehension. And, uh, and they, as I say, they don't sit me down in a classroom. They just give me the experience. So my suggestion to that question, the person that asked it, would be ask. Ask to learn to travel outside of your body. Ask yeah. to learn to travel while you dream. The dream state is a modality of contact. We mm -hmm. can leave, and that's a very easy way to leave the physical in the dream state. Start with that. If you want something, I always ask before I go to bed. And then uh, uh, I find that because then you ask, you put it out to the universe, you, then you relax and the body goes to sleep, but the conscious energy is still there and it can be taken here, there. Uh, so I would try, I would try that. Ask, ask your own guides. Ask and it is given. And Diane Weatherall <laughs> says, thank you so much for sharing your experiences, Kevin. Variety of frequencies is just fascinating, which we've talked about. Like there's a variety in different frequencies when you astral project or when you send your consciousness or when you're just a pure energy, there's different um, frequencies, variety in frequencies. And so, yeah, it is fascinating. I learned I learned a lot today. And yeah, Vladdy says, yeah, intergalactic schools for human. Absolutely, intergalactic schools for humans. You know, when I was studying, um, what was interesting is that I didn't think I was psychic as a kid. I thought that that was for other, that was like for special people, gifted people. You know, we have these conditioned beliefs about who we are as humans and I held on to all of them unworthiness not special not enoughness all that stuff I was engaging in all those as a younger person so I set forth to study psychic ability and really it was an intergalactic school because we were playing with consciousness we were doing readings with people we were looking inside the body as a remote viewer we were taking our consciousness out and projecting it uh, you know we were we were having this intergalactic school called you know called a healing course energy healing course is what it was called when I was in my 30s and there's plenty of them out there I just love the name intergalactic school I'm going to steal that from you Vladdy and uh, yeah, they're just, I have this dream of seeing it in all our mainstream schools that children are, are taught about their consciousness and they're taught how to use it. They're taught how to project consciousness, how to speak to their guides, how to leave their body at will or at least use their consciousness to remote view other things and yeah, to expand consciousness. It's such an exciting, it's so exciting. Any, um, any, Last thing you'd like to say before we go. Oh, we've still got about yeah. 10 minutes left. Let yeah, go on. Yeah, one, one thing. I was, let me just reply to Pat. She said her cat, Huey, is now pawing her. I think it's her cat, she said. And, you know, that might be he's understanding, he's listening to what we're saying, and that might be confirmation of the information that I've been given. I don't know, but uh, once you get that connection to animals, we have to take note of when they uh, contact back with us. So, yeah. Yeah, I do have one last thing I'd like to just briefly touch on. Just a couple of minutes. Uh, as I said before, I have my uh, uh, mission. I know what I want to do, why I'm here. I'm here to help facilitate uh, the reveal globally of our ET star family. It's quite a tall order, really. Uh, but uh, recently, my ET star families asked for a protocol to receive them. And uh, so 
I, I've written a document uh, with their request in it. And uh, I'll, it's only two paragraphs, but I'll just read out the uh, second paragraph because the words in the document are important. They have conscious energy themselves. And when we hear them, that can activate our DNA, activate our, our knowledge, our light frequencies. So I'll just read it out. It's only a few short sentences. And uh, I've, I've titled it Protocol for Peaceful Contact with our ET star families. Creation, co-creation, intent for a protocol to receive our ET star families ambassadors. I have been informed by my ET guides that they require a protocol in place to guarantee their safety and security when invited to Earth for meetings, interactions, and cultural exchange. My ET guides also inform me that the reveal of their presence globally will come from a request from the citizens of Earth. We use thought and consciousness, intent to create our reality. I propose because we as exoconscious humans have an understanding of this, we should lead the way with the intention, creation, co-creation with our ET star families ambassadors. This would be the intention of this proposed protocol being so created through thought and consciousness included in these thoughts would be the protection and security of the craft and their occupants approaching earth while flying in our atmosphere at landings and meetings at predetermined dates times and location and then in witness thereof the undersigned being authorized by the birthright of this earth i signed it uh, my wife witnessed it kathleen madden uh, uh, signed it, uh, Denise Stoner signed it, and Dr. Melanie Barton signed it. So it's now ratified and implemented as a peaceful protocol to receive our ET star families. And, and that's, I'm working with that along with the exoconscious community as well. We've been discussing this uh, uh, document and uh, the potential for an educational document in relation to uh, understanding telepathic communication using thought and consciousness. So uh, that's where I'm at the moment. And uh, thank you for those extra few minutes just to uh, talk about that. Thank you. Well, that's bloody fabulous, Kevin. <laughs> that is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, the, the thing that stood out today for me, because uh, I have uh, the Arcturians are a part of my mob, as I call them, and they said to me that the most important thing human needs to understand or remember at this time on earth is their power of creation through thought and consciousness. And that's something that's really stood out. It's like what we think we create, how we feel indicates the frequency that we're um, evoking through our beliefs and our um, thought systems, but we are creating all of it. We are creating everything we're experiencing is a vibrational match to the consciousness or the thought energy that we are evoking. And they said, when humans understand that and they take their power back and they take a hold of their consciousness and their thought creation, they will take back their power. Like the rest of the cosmos, they understand they can create anything like you've created an energy spaceship and flown around the cosmos, you know, anything is possible. You can create healing. You can create the life you want. You can talk to your dead relatives. Like it's all possible. You can move objects with your thinking. You can elevate or fly or have these superhuman, you know, we're obsessed on earth with superhuman movies, you know, humans with superhuman abilities. And it's all possible. Seth said in the Seth books years ago, there are only two rules to life. The first is you create your own reality. And the second is there are no limits. 
there's no limits, right? There's no limit to any of this. It all depends on how you think. Kevin, it's I love you, love you to bits. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being in human form and being on earth with us at this time and being on Zoom with us at this time and okay, sharing. Well, no, I mean, I've enjoyed it as always. The time just flies by, uh, uh, Karen. It's just amazing. So I'll see Pat has for the contact. Uh, for Dr. Rebecca Hartcastle-Wright. If you just Google her name, the uh, 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 group comes up when you make contact. If you can't find it, uh, send me an email and I'll give you an email address. What What is her last name, please? I couldn't get that. It's uh, Rebecca Hartcastle-Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, she's out there. She's quite big within the community. Well, she is a community of consciousness. I'm going to go off the live stream. Stay online with me, Kevin, because we'll have just a bit of a chat with the group on Zoom. And uh, Fiona says, thank you so much. And um, and Shirley says, yes, Karen, you can have your flying car. It's coming, Shirley. It's coming. Thanks for everyone for watching the, the live. We're going to go off the live and I'll see you all soon.